and welcome to Big Business Briefs with me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. And this week, we're well, it was an article that caught my eye in the mirror. I don't read the mirror, but there was a link on social media, as there often is. And it was about Aldi and Asda changing their logos without shoppers noticing, like by stealth. Yeah. I thought, really? Because clearly you hadn't noticed. No. And you sent me the link and I hadn't noticed. No. So it started us thinking about logos in general. But, and apparently loads of supermarkets are doing it. Morrison's have done it. Really? As okay. they've done it. Okay. So what the article was just pointing that out. And was it giving them reason as to why they were changing their logo? Well, they didn't really go into the detail as to why. They just went into the detail that somebody on social media had noticed. So, I mean, when I look at the Aldi... I can see the difference. It it looks a, a little... When you put the two together, you would go, that new one is more modern. Yes. But I wouldn't have said beforehand the old one was old fashioned. No. But I guess that's the trick, isn't it? It's staying up to date with before somebody notices that you look out of date. And yeah, and that was the thing. So I, I, I guess we've both sort of, you know, done some similar research to think about, well, why the hell would you do it? I mean, Morrison's went from the word Morrison's with a yellow circle and an M in it to the word Morrison's and it says since 1899 and it's got some sort of yellow flower coming out of it. So that's quite that's a major, very different, isn't it? But yeah. I still hadn't noticed. No. I hadn't. Now now I see that there, yeah. I'd see them both as Morrisons, but wouldn't have been able to say which was the new and which was the old one. But 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 with hindsight, if you then look at the old one, it does look it does a bit look like dated, yeah. somebody did it with a bit of clip art. And that that's the really interesting thing, isn't it? They're all deciding to change it. Um, you know, do they have like a timer? Is it in the calendar yeah. which says you know, annually, every five years, redo the logo. Surely somebody's got that on an agenda to do. They can't wait until somebody says, oh, your logo looks a bit dated. But, but you do notice, I mean, not necessarily with the, with the big guys, but, you know, you do notice companies, you know, that you might come across, smallish companies, and you, you do think, oh, actually, that does look a bit... A little bit dated. So I think it is something yeah. you do notice. But and I suppose still... the ones you're looking at, I'm just looking over your shoulder there. At, um, so you've had Aldi, Morrison's, Asda. You've got Google, Airbnb, Spotify, Pinterest. So, yeah, big names. They've got a lot of money to get their brand right. So I suppose they're making sure they're staying one step ahead, aren't they? Well, yes, but you make a, an interesting comment there because apparently a logo is not a brand. A brand is a brand, a logo is a logo. Okay. Which and pedant told you that well, one? Well, <laughs> I've read up on, I've been reading up on this. Um, yeah, and they're, they're talking about, um, basically, a brand is really complicated because it's it's more than just the logo. It's oh, the yeah, whole it's ethos, the position in the market, It's it's more than. Oh, I should know that. All the talks I've been to by Sid Madge. Talking yeah, about it, the full brand, it's about how you answer the phone. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's much culture. more. Yeah, yeah, okay. But a logo becomes um, synonymous with a brand. So, like you, you were saying, looking over my shoulder, you know, there's there are various. I mean, crikey, uh, Pepsi. There are for uh, eleven different 
Pepsi logos going from 1898. I was going to say, I don't recognise some of those. No, we, I think Definitely not that one. No, no. 1950, 1962 is like the cap of a bottle with Pepsi. 1973, which is probably yeah. starting to come into our time, is is a square with Pepsi and, and it's a like a tennis ball in the middle, doesn't but it? what's yeah. interesting, their logo today doesn't have the word Pepsi on it. I've got to say, looking at that, looks... I think because the white line isn't horizontal, I wouldn't have immediately said that was Pepsi. It looks like a beach ball. It does me. look like a beach ball. But, again, look. so Adidas, I saw I came across an image of Adidas, again, going back, way back when, 1924. Um, well, when yeah, that changed quite a lot. Yeah, it was called something completely different, called Dazzler or something. But now, from 2022... The Adidas logo doesn't have the word Adidas in it. Just has three. Um, like a mountain. Like a mountain, yeah. It, it's it's taken the mountain from 1991 yeah. with the word Adidas and... Yeah, so the, there's been two iterations yeah. in between that yeah. logo, which weren't mountains. We, and they've just sort of happened... I mean, I have to admit, the one from 1971... Um, which was the one that looks a bit like a marijuana leaf with the yeah. word Adidas <laughs> underneath it. That's sort of what I would expect. But but even with Apple, so the first Apple logo is a picture of a man sitting under an apple tree. Wow. Okay. Quite like quite scrolly. And now, of course, we all recognise the Apple the with apple. the bite out of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a lot oh, of Pringles. Pringles. Yeah. You, you, just little thing, and you well, just like. You're talking about full brands and not just logos. Yep. So what about um, icons then? So I noticed recently that quite a lot of the icons on my phone have changed on the apps. So have you noticed the BBC icons have changed? iPlayer and Sounds. No, I haven't. No. Well, mind you, I'm rubbish at finding things on my phone. So, <laughs> oh, well, I haven't got BBC Sounds. I've still got the one that oh. looks like a chain. Have you updated your apps recently? No, clearly oh, not. That's, yeah. What else has changed? Um, I find that Prime changes quite a bit okay. as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, just having a look now. They're the only ones I noticed um, that stood out because right. they happened recently. But yeah, um, BBC Sounds and BBC iPlayer. Oh, and Facebook is, is changing its um Yeah, well, it's gone to the swirly thing now, yeah. a different name, hasn't it? So I, I think it's one of the, really interesting. I'd love to know, you know, what the uh, standard time scale is for expected life of a of a um, logo. Well, when you look, so I'm looking at Lego now. So the latest iteration was 1998. So we're on 24 years. Wow, that's quite a long time. But previous to that, it was um, 15, uh, 25 years. It looks exactly the seven same. Years. Well, it, it does and it doesn't. Oh, it's brighter in it's, that one, yeah. Yeah, and the font is just a little bit fatter. The red is a little yeah, bit... Yeah, that's the other thing. Sometimes they only very marginally yeah. change something, don't they? You see that with Google quite a bit. Their font has changed quite a lot, hasn't it? But they're quite iterative changes. Yeah, but and I suppose that, you know, like if you see somebody... If you, if you see a child every day, you almost don't notice them growing up. Yes. And if you don't see them for a long time, you go, crikey, you Aunts and uncles. Aunts and uncles go, oh, I've had you grow. Exactly. Yeah. So there must be, 
there must be an optimum unless you're going for a total rebrand yeah a new logo and that's not what we're talking about here no we're talking about little tweaks yeah and i think um that you know the idea is exactly as you've said that it's to change it just before anybody thinks that you know you do it gradually yeah so that nobody ever thinks it's a bit dated it's a bit old hat that isn't it yeah and it must be wasn't it because we, we wouldn't have said like we said right at the start wouldn't have noticed it looking old-fashioned but now you put it with the more modern yeah. one it's like oh yeah of course yeah yeah i mean even ikea so ikea their first logo in 1951 before my time um looks like a sort of a, like a waxed seal that says oh, yeah. ikea and now of course they've got the yellow and blue but in 1967 it was black and white now Maybe in 1967, there wasn't a lot of colour yeah, print like, going on. Or, yeah, yeah. Print, yeah. yeah, so I suppose there's a, there's a few other factors. Their second one looks like a, a hot dog. Um, <laughs> not a very appetising one. <laughs> it should look like meatballs. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. good call. Um, but anyway, so, so essentially, I, found, I did find a little article in... Um, oh, so there, there was a website called looker.com which talks a lot about brands if you really want to do a delve deep dive. Um, but there's a website called squareholes.com and um, they're talking about the only three reasons to get a new logo. And they say the logo, um, uh, th- there need to be three reasons. The logo redesign is about evolution, not revolution. Yeah. Okay, because that would be a rebrand. And the brand's reputation is an unfixable mess. Okay, so you like want to move away. There's a, a delivery company that's recently completely rebranded. Yeah, so you that? just want to... Yeah. Um, or the brand is neglected with no equity to lose, so that, you know, it's not identifiable, so you want to okay. reinvent, literally reinvent the wheel. Um, otherwise, you've got, you've got to be consistent. Mm. Otherwise, it's not a new logo, it's a rebrand. And if you do that properly, then... That's more investment than saying to somebody, here's our logo, can you freshen it up? Yeah. Can you just update it a little bit? And, of course, now we have so much digital media. Once upon a time, you know, print. You'd have to change all your leaflets, your catalogues. Yeah, yeah. Your letterheads and everything. So it's probably much easier now when you think about how much printed stuff there is. Can't think of any companies that have printed letterheads anymore. No, no. And if they do, it's probably been printed... As part, you know, not like pre-printed. Do you remember when you used to have yeah. headed paper and then you'd put it in the printer? Like in the bottom drawer yeah. is headed paper. Don't use that. And then you That's print the from stuff. the wrong drawer. Yeah. And then, <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I just thought it was quite interesting. It was, it, thank you. Something you don't notice. And now we'll be looking everywhere, scrutinising. For at least a week. <laughs> for, yeah. yeah for at least so a week. the first part of um, the podcast you introduced. Yes. I have brought in some hard copy magazines for us to look yes. at. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's something we can touch and feel. And you, you've even got your uh, post-it notes in it already. Yeah. So this is a magazine that arrived at um, my workplace. Two copies of this magazine uh, were, I believe, hand-delivered to my workplace. And um, they were they just sort of appeared on the... Um, on the communal table in the kitchen. I was like, where, where have these come from? So I had to do a bit of research to find out. But I sat down and had a little read-through and thought, you know what, I like this magazine. And it's a quarterly business magazine. So I'm, 
I'm surprised they didn't just get thrown straight in the recycle. Um, but fortunately, they did find the right person who yeah. read this. Yeah. So me and my boss have both read these um, and enjoyed them. Um, and it's um, connecting Chester and Wrexham, so it covers the, the whole area there. And it's in um, A4 size. Yeah. It's quite, quite a good thickness. It seems yeah. to be printed on nice... Good quality paper. Yeah. Um, it's got a, not a glossy feel to it. It's, yeah. it's got sort of like a, a nice matte feel to it. Um, you can hear me stroking the paper yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and and it's um, been produced by some um, local publishers. Who um, one of the ladies I already know, Vicky Heathfield. She was on this um, podcast when it was a radio show when it was talking mm. business. Yeah. So I interviewed yeah. Vicky, and uh, she also runs something called Essentials Magazine which is one of those little A5 book um, Yeah, magazines. a bit like a, more than a parish magazine, but a sort of local village. Lo- yeah, local magazine with lots of advertising and a bit of advertorial, a little bit of editorial, yeah, uh, little glossy things. Yeah. Um, and, and she publishes the one um, for Wrexham and certainly is the one that gets delivered through my door as well. Mm. And another lady I don't know, but I've heard of, um, Clara Hughes, and uh, she runs Zebra Marketing and Communications. And yeah, they've just started this because this is only the second edition. Yeah, and it's quarterly, so uh, this is the issue from March to May. Yeah, it's printed, so it's 100% recycled and recyclable. Oh, that's why it feels nice. Yeah, yeah. So I think, and I think that's important, the recyclable bit. Um, but yeah, it's got good content. Sometimes when you... You get things like this. It's all adverts. It's all adverts. And no, what's it? All filler, no killer. (laughs) Um, But lots of really interesting. I know it's based for a particular local area, but a lot of the stuff is relevant on a a broader scale anyway, business news, etc. But yeah, I quite like it. Nice and varied. Yes, there are adverts. Even the advertorial doesn't feel like it's advertorial. Yeah, no, it's it's not so too heavy on, writing, on the advertising side of it. Um, and the business news that's in here is all relevant. I do understand that um, one of their contributors is um, business um, business line in Wrexham. Oh yes, yeah, good old Gareth. Yeah, yeah, um, and they've got a lot of stuff. Some bits that I followed up the links on, so. Um, some financial assistance with workplace charging schemes, um, little article about modernising the UK tax system, uh, lots of stuff about um, grants and funding available, which I yeah. think is quite handy if you're in uh, in business and you're looking for, you know, you could go to somewhere like Business Line and they could tell it all, all to you, but that would involve you having to think that there might be something available yeah whereas if you can read about it in a magazine like this and you go oh i didn't know there was going to be that available so yeah it's quite handy if if i make sense there yeah um there's 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 a char- charity element i think that's probably quite noisy with me keep the dinner table <laughs> with the quality of this uh, this publication it's normally a hand that's hitting the table now it's, I know, the, it's the back yeah sorry um but there's um there's a page where they've got some people just some little sound bites from different people um, best business advice, um, you know, top tips from people like real people that you kind of could actually meet rather than um, yeah, a few, a few local faces that I recognise that have been on 
talking business when it was a radio yeah. show. Yeah, a lot around um, networking, different networking groups, or you know, always interesting to find where places are. Um, a bit of a roundup of some business events that are happening um, around Chester and Wrexham. So, um, so I thought that was that was good as well. But yeah, and then even. Um, an article about public speaking, you know, so some practical yeah. skills um, articles as well as businessy business news. A little article here about uh, what is an employee ownership trust. Yes, because there's a guy, Paul Crudger Pro Networks, who basically has gifted 100% of the shares to, of his company shares to a trust. So then they go on to explain what that actually means. Um and harking back to um, the podcast from a few episodes ago, John Lewis was one of the first and most well-known employee ownership businesses. Yes. Yeah. So I like it. And there is a subscription fee for it, isn't there? But it's um, not a lot of money. No. And um, I got the go-ahead from my boss to actually subscribe to it because he thought it was good value. Yeah, eighteen uh, four issues for eighteen pounds. That's across twelve months, or slightly cheaper if you subscribe for two for two years. You get eight issues for thirty two pounds. So there's a four pound saving. Uh, but I also had a quick look at their rate card, thinking about uh, advertising. I think you are able to do inserts, but um, so the back cover that's always a good indicator. Um, it, Five hundred pound for the back cover of the magazine. Okay, so in this episode, in this um, issue, Hadlow Edwards have got the back cover. Yeah, but a quarter page, ninety pounds. And when when you say you know this is A four, so then a quarter page is a quarter of a page. I know that sounds bleeding obvious, but you know sometimes <laughs> say in a an A five publication, it can yeah. get a bit lost. But you can actually put some meaningful contact uh, content. Um, in a quarter page, it's 85 centimetres by 128, 85 millimetres rather, by 128 millimetres. Um, and a full page, 300 quid. So, not prohibitive. They're printing, they're currently printing, are they distributing 1,400 and printing 5,000? 1,400 are going in, um, like, reception, solicitors' receptions and accountants' receptions and places like that. And then the rest are being hand-delivered to businesses. Wow. And every subscription will receive a free pack of postcards featuring four front cover illustrations. Well, that's what I was just thinking at first. Hmm. I would want that, but I've just actually had a look at the, the front cover for this one. It's a very nice uh, drawing of the clock in, in Chester. Chester. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's sort of ink drawing. So it's nice, to, it's, a, it's unusual to see new printed publications. It because actually it, is, isn't it's it? It's kind of yeah. died a little bit of a death. And we, we've talked about some online publications, but I've got to say, for me, I still connected more with this than I have with some of the online yeah. ones we've reviewed. Yeah. This has been sat on my desk for weeks, and occasionally I, I might just dip into it. The online publications, we've even forgotten what it was we looked at. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think also, that's the thing, there's enough in this that you don't literally just scan through it and go, oh, yeah, well, I've read that. There's actually plenty of content. And as long as they can keep that up and they don't run out of content... Yeah, don't then... stuff it full of adverts. Because actually I quite find adverts about business services available quite useful. But they've just got the balance right at the moment, yeah. haven't they, between useful adverts and um, editorial content, yeah. which is of good quality. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. 
So thumbs up to Vox, V-O-X, Vox. Um, the next edition obviously will be spanning the summer months. So I'm not sure what they're, I don't know if they declare their... June to August maybe? So this is March to May. Yeah. I don't know if they... I'm not sure if... Here we are. Uh, the next issue is out early June. Um, and, you know, if you want to get in touch for features, events, charity updates and business news, then you can send submissions to Clara Hughes. Um, clara at ezpublishing.co.uk and the copy deadline is the 9th of May so we're, I don't know what um, the magazine itself obviously doesn't have its own website but Easy Publishing does um, so probably worth having a look there to yeah. see what they've got to say they're on Facebook and Twitter so Vox Magazine um, Vox Magazine Chester Wrexham on Facebook Vox Magazine Northwest NW is on Twitter well done, ladies. Good work. Nice magazine. Good work. So going from two creative ladies to um, another creative lady for our profile this week. Yeah. Uh, how did we find this lady? How do we ever find anybody? <laughs> Random searches for interesting people. Uh, I've not got a clue how we stumbled upon Roberta Lucca. Luca? Yeah, it's not Luca. Luca would just be one C, I think. So Luca, L-U-C-C-A, Roberta Luca. Uh, she's British-Brazilian entrepreneur. And I think I honed in on her, not because of the work that she does or, or anything about the, the company Bossa Studios that she uh, runs, but more um, because there was this reference to her being an entrepreneurial anarchist and something that she calls a multi and I really connected with that because I'm a bit of a multi myself. You're a bit of an anarchist. <laughs> yeah, not so much the anarchist, uh, but very much a multi. In fact, it's even in my uh, uh, Twitter bio, or, or it was, I might have changed it recently, saying I'm a, a bit of a Renaissance woman. I don't like to be put in boxes. Yeah. And uh, what she says on her own website uh, pretty much uh, echoes how I've lived my life and my career. Yeah, she... Um, she... She's, I didn't find her that easy to find information about. And it, but she was born in Rio de Janeiro, studied computer science um, and has MBAs in management and marketing. So she did a lot with product innovation, etc. But then she was involved with an online fashion place that sold 3D printed fashion accessories. And I think that's where um, you know her career sort of started. And then... It morphed into Bossa Studios, which those people listening who are gamers, I imagine, will have heard of. The gaming world is something that has completely passed me by. Yeah, I've I've not, never been interested because I I think it may be because my first, um, well, my first jobs I was in university and I was working for an IT company. Right. So and this was before computers were in every house. So I was working with computers day to day so there was that bit of me which was like why would I want to play on a computer when I come home yeah and so I never really then got into computer gaming but I think My kids are <laughs> yeah well yeah and I think where it's at now is completely different to we've got matching leggings on oh we have and we didn't even phone each other to see no, what we sorry were about that yeah <laughs> get distracted we've so. gone down a we've gone down a, a, a maroon legging um <laughs> Day to day. Yeah, so that, I mean, that really wasn't what had um, 
what what caught my eye and and it was like um looking on Forbes and it was saying she's a co-founder and chief evangelist is how she describes herself and, and Forbes have taken that up and so she's won a, a BAFTA with the game developer I didn't know there were BAFTAs for video games that shows my age does it yeah. anyway maybe not even my age just my ignorance <laughs> um and Apparently, millions of people have played those games, yeah. Um, she's the founder of Boulder uh, AI um, coaching app. Um, and Wonderluck is that one with the 3D printing uh, jewellery. But, yeah, it was her own website, really, that um, that got me looking. It's She starts with this um, statement, YOLO is a myth. And that's not YOLO, my son. Oh, YOLO, Y-O-L-O, is a myth. Um, it send, she says that you only live once sends a limiting signal to our brains. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so she said, one, one career, one path, one goal, one calling. She reckons that's a result of society's pressure for us to conform and never fully express ourselves. And she prefers multi, multi-skilled, multiculturalism, multi-passion, multi-purpose. Yeah, I, when you put it like that, I guess. I mean, you do only live once, but you might, <laughs> unless you're a cat. Um, but I suppose it's within that, you know, don't put yourself in a box that there's only one option. So, yeah, I think when you put it like that, yeah. interesting. Um, and she refers to herself as a magnetic multi which is mind-boggling, really, and a magnetic. Um, but it, it there's a lot in her story on her website. So her website is called, um, where are we? Beta Luca. So Beta as in B-E-T-A mm-hmm. and Luca, L-U-C-C-A, uh, as in her surname, dot com. Um, and she, she leaves this little mystery. So she says, 15 years ago, I moved to the UK after a traumatic event and a bet with my partner. One day, I hope to share more about about this rather tragic comic story. Oh. But for now, let me just say, the experience was the catalyst that took me from boring to bold. Oh, that's very enigmatic. Now, you see, this lady also describes herself as a storyteller. <laughs> and there's the hook. Yeah. Oh, yeah. here's this, intri- more. Yeah, exactly. this yeah. intriguing woman. So... She tells her story in acts. So the first act where she was a high achiever and she said she spent um, a decade as an entrepreneur in a large corporation Mm -hmm. and then she took a leap to become an entrepreneur to build businesses bigger than herself, which clearly she did very well. Mm. Um, And she said she got hooked and became really good at starting new companies again, which she's proven herself with. So then act two, she describes as the experiment. And this is where she started to try other things. So she became a, a keynote speaker, a futurist, um, an angel investor, a podcaster, a content creator, and a magnetic leader and storyteller. So that's where she was experimenting. And then act three... I don't know how many acts she's going to have, but she stops at the website at Act 3, so she's in 3 at the moment, I assume, is the Magnetic Multi. And she says um, this whole idea of embracing um, Jack of None, Master of All Trades, 
That's what she's embracing. Okay. okay. Rather than... The other way around, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, jack of all trades, master, master of none. So she says she's not a specialist. She's not someone who's got one calling in her life. And this is probably the bit that I think that I initially connected to. She, she um, does call back to polymaths and Renaissance man, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, all celebrated for being visionaries and for being creatives and leaving a legacy um, but they weren't specialists. They had broad uh, mm-hmm. interests, broad skills, mm-hmm. and the courage to uh, express themselves, she says, and to be authentic. And she said uh, they didn't allow society to pigeonhole them. And that's that's really where I've connected uh, with all of these um, people that I, we've, we've, I've talked about most of them on the podcast, haven't mm-hmm. we, over the years. Uh, the lady who does putty like as well, she talks about multi potentialites. Um, it's that whole idea that why should you be in a box? Why do you? Why should you stay in one particular channel? Yeah, and, and I think I'm talking my own book here because that is my CV. There, 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 and there, yeah. over there. Oh, let's turn around there and do that, that now. So, yeah, I would say. That she, I agree with her because that's exactly what I've done. <laughs> yeah, and she—I mean, she is encouraging. She's trying to encourage young people to, you know, to, to to live that way. But I also think that they are more likely to. I think they're more neat. They need to, don't they? So when we were younger, Heather, there was still this whole idea that there could be a job for life. Yeah, you know, good God, I mean, it's not happening now for the yeah. younger generation. No. So no. they have to be able to flex and to to change careers yeah. because there isn't that idea that you stay with one company and they'll develop you and look after you cradle to grave absolutely but I, what she's saying in you know in, in that is this isn't about job hopping yeah this is about exploiting opportunity you know seeing opportunity and and maxing them in some way yeah and then going where that leads you it's not a case of well i've done a bit of time here and then i'll go somewhere else there yeah. is you know, there's a gradual, I mean, she's writing in acts, as you say, but, you know, they're very definite periods of her life. Now, okay, retrospectively, you know, arguably, you could, a lot of us could probably look back in our, our lives and decide to split it into chunks. But, I mean, she, you know, it's, it's beautifully crafted and a really good idea. But she's encouraging people to do that in a structured way, you know, yeah. consciously, yeah. rather than it just happening accepting that that's the way you're going to that the path you're going to take rather than oh that didn't work out uh so i'll go somewhere else for a few years yeah and, and i think that's uh that's the point isn't it and i i've always been at pains to say that my career choices have not been because i didn't like the job or it didn't work out or the industry wasn't right for me or whatever it was it was because an opportunity came up that took me in a different way or that opportunity was neatly wrapped up and so I moved on to the next opportunity. Yeah. So it's about it's about moving towards something rather than running away from something. I think that's a distinction, isn't it? Yeah, and also not deciding. I mean, I, I was doing some training recently and we were talking about um, lifelong learning and, you know, there were some people in the room who were like, well, I don't need to need to learn anything else I said well, okay if you've got any plans no goals not really yeah I see that the, the tumbleweed I know I couldn't imagine that like oh what yeah. are you going to do for the rest the, of your like, life yeah they literally you know and they're my my age um it's like the idea that spring there's chickens, no more then. spring chickens yeah 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 
But going back to the game... Well, I mean, not everybody so, does want to learn. I think about it. Being fair, not everybody does want to. I can't imagine not wanting to. But it, yeah. it depends on what you call learning. You know, it doesn't mean formal learning. Oh, yeah, I'm not talking about going and getting a qualification. No, lifelong can't learning can't think of worse now. It's, <laughs> you know, opening your mind and, you know, and reading about stuff or hearing about stuff or taking an interest in bees. I mean, I, you know, it can be anything. It doesn't need to be anything that's... Um, well, we've already said it's one of the things that drives us doing this podcast. Because there's always something interesting something to, to learn at, about. Yeah. About. yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, but going back to the gaming side of things. So she, I found an interview that she was doing on a podcast. And she was talking about, you know, the whole idea that actually gaming has a place. Because it gives... So we've talked about isolation. Um, and, and in some respects, we talk about... Oh, you know, all these all these youngsters, in inverted commas, you know, gaming, you know, they want to get out and meet people. But they're meeting people, aren't they, yes. in these groups? Yes, so. and so, um, so for them, it's not isolating, and they are getting that interaction, and they're getting, she talks about, um, um, with um, anxiety levels, you know, for some people, playing a game gives them um, oxytocin, you know, which, which is the love hormone, which, you know, Gives them enjoyment, and so yeah. they're not. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, they're getting it, even though they might look to us like they're people sitting in hoodies in a darkened room. They're actually getting a buzz, yeah. and it might be that they find it easier to do that than go out and engage. How many people have been forced to go out and engage with people when it really isn't their thing? Yeah, it, you know, face to face, and that awkward social awkwardness doesn't need to be a thing now. You can be socially adept within the confines of your and game really world. skilled at the game and, and yeah. respected amongst your peers yeah yeah so. yeah I mean, i've got a friend who um suffers from anxiety and social anxiety and gaming is his outlet yeah. and a, a few of the people in, in his gaming group uh, one's got other health issues so can't get out and yeah. about yeah, and, and I think the group is made up of people who actually socialising in that way is the best choice for them. Yeah, yeah. Whereas once upon a time, isolation would have been yeah. the thing. And it's intellectually stimulating as well. It's, not, you know, it's yeah. not like playing with porridge or something, is it? There's something. Yeah. 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 I don't get it. I, don't, I can't sit in front of a computer game because I get seasick. Right, okay. <laughs> you know, all these things where, where there's like movement on the screen makes me feel sick. I'm just not. So there's a pill for it. Well, yeah, there probably is. Yeah. Well, and then you get those gaming chat. Well, anyway, it's a whole, it's a whole world. We maybe... appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not. My idea of hanging out with people online would never. Playing a game that I would definitely be rubbish at. Definitely. Um, I'd much. I personally would much rather be with people, even if we were playing Scrabble. A bit of generational stuff, but also horses for courses. I think yeah. it's. Yeah, well, the friend I'm talking about is is of our generation, so uh, which is slightly towards the older side, but not completely. Not it's not completely a youngster. Past it, it's not a youngster. <laughs> no. Sorry, I'm implying there that you're not a youngster. Well, but, let's uh, just let's be honest. Just, yeah, it? let's just wrap this up before it gets messy. <laughs> so yeah, sorry, we, we we got talking about games there. We were actually talking about the BAFTA award-winning <laughs> Bossa Studios founder Roberta Luca. Uh, she's listed on Forbes, Forbes um, top fifty women in tech. 
Um, she was voted top 35 women under 35. That was a little while ago um, by management today. Uh, top 30 women in games, every woman's entrepreneur of the year finalist and top 100 influential people in video games. So she's she's pretty well known in that area. And like I said, I've learned something new. I didn't know you could win a BAFTA for computer games. It makes sense, I suppose, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a lot of creative uh, skill and technical skill and, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, um, well, the cost of developing video games versus developing films, I mean, I know you don't have the cost of the actors, but I bet it's not the graphics is not cheap, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. You've got to hire a load of technically minded people as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go. We do, we've just shown our lack of knowledge on video games. Yeah, do you think we should go and play some video games? and then? I'm not that committed to this podcast. <laughs> well, at least I know where I stand. I was going to go and join some virtual business world. Oh, go on, off you go. And buy up Park Lane and Mayfair. <laughs> and all, all of the utilities. Buy some non-fungibles, Heather. <laughs> <laughs>